It's This Week in Bourbon, where we are knocking bourbon news out of the park. And here's your headlines for August 19th, 2022. The Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame will induct six new individuals. King of Kentucky packs two brand new 15 and 18-year-old releases. And Old Forester Birthday Bourbon Allocation goes into a national sweepstakes. But before we get started, here's a quick word from our partners. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to noseyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. And they're off for another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 000 Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome back, everybody. It's This Week in Bourbon. Take me out to the bourbon ball game or something like that. Buy me some more bourbon and peanut and cracker jacks. I don't know. I was. I know. Are you on a baseball team? Today? I was. I was at my daughter's softball practice tonight. It was her first one for the for the fall league, and I'm kind of amped up, a little jacked about it a little bit because I tried telling her as she was going into this. I said, "Well, hun, just know that you're one of the you're one of the big kids now." Because she was kind of, you know, she got stuck in the outfield last year, so she didn't get a whole lot of action. She was she's pretty decent at hitting, and by the way, we're talking machine pitch, and. Now she goes to her first fall league or fall ball practice and she shows up and she's one of six kids who have actually played before and she's one of the big kids. And now she started her first practice tonight, basically playing the pitcher right there on the top mound next to the machine pitch, which like gets the most action as possible. So I'm, I'm really jacked and psyched for her. So I just hope she... She kind of uh, pulls through and and you know lives maybe hopes lives up to the expectation. I will say I'm I'm proud of her though because after practice was over, she goes, "Dad, I think we need to go practice some more catching and throwing." I was like, "Sure, sounds good, hon." <laughs> She's gonna be a leader this year, you know, with all those young kids in the shape. Yeah, I mean, I told her because there's a lot of kids on our team last year that that all aged out, and I mean, the, some of those girls they could hit, they could catch, they could throw, and I was like, it's. It's on your shoulders now, so you've got to you got to lead the team. So I think I tried to give her that I tried to give her that pep talk beforehand. I don't think she I don't think it really resonated until she was out there, until she saw the inferior talent beneath <laughs> yeah, her. Maybe. <laughs> oh, I was I mean, on the. <laughs> she there was kids like throwing balls out of the place and just missing between their legs. It was like watching little giants, but for baseball. Yeah, I watched Little Giants this weekend, and I was on the other end of the spectrum. My son just started flag football. 
and it's second and first graders and he's a first grader and all the second graders are like, you know, they're like looking the first graders like, uh, pips, you know? Yeah. And so the, it's just funny when kids start playing a, you know, we thrown football, this and that, but like, you know, blocking and tack, pulling a flag and plays and stuff. It's like so much to throw at a first grader, you know, first practice, but they did good. He did good. And, uh, I'm excited for it. We watched little giants, you know, in preparation. It was hilarious. <laughs> that that, that movie's so good. Yep. <laughs> Learning from spike and Icebox and <laughs> yeah, I was going to say fridge, but yeah, you're right. It was Icebox. That's what it was. Oh, that you couldn't make that movie today. There's so much, uh, <laughs> I, Probably can't even say Probably some of the lines in there, but it was. It's if you haven't watched Little Giants in a long time, you must do it. It's a treat. It is solid. I'll have to go back to the the library and and go pull that one up this weekend. Maybe. I think I asked you to download it, but you're like a <laughs> festival or something. So uh, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> yeah you gotta catch me when I'm home at the computer, right time, right place, sort of thing. I'm sure people are thrilled with hearing about our kids. So we'll move on to the bourbon news. Let's go ahead. Let's do it because. You know, this is, it, we, got, we got a lot of people that listen to this show and from all walks of life. And I'm sure there's a lot of investment bankers out there. And maybe there's a lot of NFT bros. Maybe there's a lot of just people that are just trying to figure out how can they put their money in the right places. And we've talked about before that bourbon is a, it's been a pretty solid investment over the past few years. Whether you were somebody that could go and just collect bottles and hold on to them, if you had the willpower not to crack them open and drink them, or if you were, had the hindsight, maybe... I don't know, 10 years ago to buy a lot of stuff and and not touch it. Or maybe you're in the new game and you're trying to just buy barrels and flip barrels. But now you could invest in a bottle of Pappy without actually owning the bottle. So this is in an article that came by Jonah Flicker on Rob Report. And he shared some information about a new company called Rally. Actually, it's not new, but they've been around for a little bit. But Rally is an online pro- platform that allows people to invest in fractions of sports memorabilia, classic cars, and watches. And now it's entered the world of high-rolling collectible bourbon bottles. A rare Japanese whiskey and vintage single malts from the Macallan have also been traded on the platform before. So starting on August 16th, the company is selling 2,000 shares at $7 a piece for a six-bottle collection of Pappy Van Winkle. It's a 23, 20, 15, 12, 10, and a 13-year rye. According to the Rally website, all assets are kept in a climate-controlled facility on the east coast of the U.S. The company will create the initial offering on the Rally app, which is kind of similar to an IPO, and it'll be priced at around $14,000. When it's fully bought out, Rally holds on the assets for 90 days, and then at which point the whiskey will be made available on the Rally secondary market. It's also possible that at some point that the whiskey will receive a full buyout offer, which will then be presented to the investors for approval. Of course, as with any investment, there's a chance that Pappy could could actually decrease in value, which is probably pretty unlikely. But the return is dependent upon people actually wanting to purchase the whiskey via the Rally app. According to the Rally CEO, George Lehmer, the only feedback he's gotten so far from producers who want to get their bottles is actually on the platform. However, as far as whiskey enthusiasts reaching out supportively or or in frustration, they actually haven't gotten much of that. And he said that this will probably not be the last whiskey that you see on Rally. Huh. So, okay. <laughs> it's a so, legal secondary market type of thing? Uh, well, it's it's or, it's a secondary market. I don't know if we call it legal. I, I, I assume they probably, they, they have to hold something because they've, done other types of liquors before they also hold wine auctions this is just the first time that they're getting into i'm like i said they did mccallan and stuff like that before so they've they have some sort of license that allows them to do this but yeah you're buying in at fractions and you basically wait it out until somebody buys it and then you get a return on whatever that fraction is Hmm. it's like a stock share is essentially all it really is it's like a mutual fund you know or an ETF, or maybe somebody else can. That's like selling short. Any shared know. investments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is this is investment advice brought to you by the Pursuit Team over here. Do not take yeah. this with uh with all, all with the word of caution. Yeah, just don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I'm so it's just one vertical set. Um, it's like I mean, one vertical set price at fourteen thousand dollars. So seven dollars shares. At, until it sells out huh that won't yeah so there's not i don't know that this seems silly i mean 
people are looking for ways to put their money in different places. And it seems like this app, it's not just for whiskey by any means. I mean, they just said they'd done sports memorabilia. So you know that trading cards is like that's blown up over the past probably two or three years. People are really getting to that. They've done watches and classic cars. I mean, gosh, so dude, fourteen thousand divided by seven. So you have two thousand shares. Two thousand shares. Available. Exactly. And, okay, I'm just trying to run. So, what do you think realistically it would sell for secondary everything? Well, I don't know. I, I didn't do the breakdown, but if you think about what a twenty three goes for now, I think you're close to four or five thousand. Okay. Uh, I think the twenty is probably close to. Three, three and a okay. half. Uh, oh, you are you really going to test me here? I, I am. Okay, um, we'll say fifteen's at um, two thousand. Uh, twelve and ten, or maybe twelve hundred and a thousand a piece. And then the thirteen-year rye. I think that's. I don't know. We'll say another two thousand, twenty-five hundred. I, I have no idea. I'm so I added all those up. That's only twelve thousand two hundred. You're losing money. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is a. Uh, <laughs> This is also, it's not for charity, but it's also not the bourbon Facebook secondary market where people know the value of things. This is just probably people who have too much money to know what they do with it. Yeah. They just throw it around. That, I guess that's why I'm wondering if you're investing it that per share. How I, I'm trying to think how can you go and make more money than that? I don't know. Well, let's put it this way. For them to probably acquire it, they probably spent ten to twelve thousand dollars to acquire it. They've right. got to make their money on actually, you know, getting people to buy the shares. So they're going to make some sort of residual from there. So they've got a, a little bit of cushion, and they've got to sell it for a little bit more. So everybody else makes a return. Is that a pyramid scheme? Did we just call that one? Out? As, a, as an investor, I'm like, okay, I'm looking at what these things sell for, and I'm like, I feel like there's at best case scenario, I'm getting my money back, but whatever. I don't know. I mean, if you think about people that have more money than sense, well, what are they <laughs> going to do? Well, I mean, what are they going to do? They're not going to know how to go to a secret Facebook or some kind of forum to go and buy something off some random person and hope sure. it shows up and just wire a bunch of money. No, they're going to go through some legit trading platform and they're going to pay the premium because they don't care. And we've talked about it before is that a $5,000 bottle of Pappy Van Winkle Dude, we're not even touching to what we can do in the Scotch world and many other places. And so this is still a, it's still a very, this is an affordable game for people that are sitting on billions. Sure. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to be a Debbie Downer. I think it's great. <laughs> you don't have to say it's great. <laughs> you're, you're poking holes in the theory. I think that's, that's perfectly okay. We just have to understand that we are, we are not the billions type. Well, I'm just thinking from there, unless like, we're not the millions type either. Well, unless this is just like a proof of concept, I'm like, is the juice worth the squeeze? I mean, even if it sells for, you know, say $20,000, all the bottles, like, okay, you're spreading, you know, $6,000 among 2,000 shares. That's like three or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just, I guess that's, I'm, I'm trying to be like, okay, is it? Whatever, it's cool. I don't know. Then buy five hundred <laughs> shares, Ryan. I don't know what to tell you. No, I don't want to buy five hundred. I'm like, <laughs> get more skin in the game. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving on. I'd, moving on. This these people hate me. So. Yeah, it's okay. Well, let's let's get into some some industry news for people that are actually out there that are in the industry and they might care about percentages and who's doing well. So, Cavorcier owner Beam Centauri is celebrating double digit net sales growth for the first half of 2022, and this is driven by demand for their premium brands. Beam Centauri's global net sales rose by 13% in the first half of 2022, compared to that with the same period in 2021. So compared with the pre-pandemic period back in 2019, this reflects a 25% leap in net sales. The Jim Beam owner's growth was attributed to double-digit sales gains in the number of key markets, including the U.S., Spain, the U.K., India, Australia, and emerging Asia. Overall, value sales grew at twice the rate of volume sales as the company's focus on premiumization continued to gain even more traction. Regionally, sales were up around 13% in North America, 10% Asia, and 20% in the company's quote-unquote international region. Looking at specific brands, Maker's Mark and Basil Hayden Bourbons, the House of Suntory, Roko's Gin, and Toki Japanese Whiskey all grew by strong double digits in the first half of 21. 
Super premium brands such as Yamazaki, Knob Creek, Lafroig, Bowmore, and El Tesoro Tequila all demonstrated meaningful momentum. So moving on. Yeah, up. that's exciting news. I mean, that's great. Um, I mean, I was talking to somebody today and, you know, they were like, India is really starting to like seek out bourbon and they're, you know, somebody in Barstown was like, if India opens up, it would wipe out every single barrel we have in inventory because there's just so much scotch drinkers there, you know, that is like if they replaced, I think it was like half the scotch drinkers in India, it would wipe out every single barrel in their inventory. Is it scotch they drink? They got they got a lot of different liquors out there. I know that, but I'm sure they do drink a bunch of scotch. Yeah, there's some like brand called like Paul John or something that's like huge over there. It's a scotch, Indian scotch whiskey. Anyways, well, we'll have to I, show thought, I found that interesting. We'll have to show them the way of the sweet corn and see if we can make a few sales going that way then. Maybe not. Yeah, we don't want to go too much, but, you know, we'll just just yeah. that. F that malted barley. It sucks. <laughs> it's too much barley. <laughs> That's right. And we're, it's we're like we're like ten percent or less malted barley is we're kind of where we're at. Exactly. We like it for the enzymes. We don't want it to be the predominant flavor. <laughs> so after more than a decade spent launching and running Wiggle Whiskey and then its sister drinks company. Threadbare Cider and Mead, the Meyer family has entered into an agreement to sell the iconic Pittsburgh business to another local business owner, Bob Nutting. Mr. Nutting, who famously owns the Pittsburgh Pirates as well as the Ogden Newspapers Incorporated, will take over the Stripped District Distillery and the Northside Cidery and Winery under the business name of Pittsburgh Spirits. It's a sister company to his Highland Ventures. Co-founder and co-owner Meredith Meyer Grelly said that her family decided growing said that the growing company needed to grow even more, but that it would take a lot more resources, including financial, organizational, and human capital. And that's more than her family could provide. After more than a year of looking for companies that could take over, they were delighted to find a local buyer who they believe cares about Pittsburgh and its history. That includes the parts that interweave the Whiskey Rebellion, which Pittsburgher Philip Wiggle, Wiggle, I think it's Wiggle, helped start after the Revolutionary War, and Johnny Appleseed, which was the inspiration for Threadbare. Financial terms of the sale, however, were not disclosed. Well, all right. I'm sorry. I'm still caught up on this India thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do you got for me? So the, the number one selling uh, whiskey brand in India is called Imperial Blue, and it sold 24 million cases. That's insane. That's impressive. The second one is called Officer Choice, which sold guess, 23. Uh, 10 million. Oh, 23. Oh, gosh. And then there's Royal Stag that showed 22 million. Hayward's 12 million. This, I mean, that these numbers are insane. For, well, that's a lot because typically the way it works is you always have the market leader. And then the number two is usually half of number one. Number three is usually half of number two. And then. Yeah, there. the top three are like, so it's 24, 23, 22. And then it cuts in half to 12 from yeah. there. And then the rest are 12. There's two at 12 and 11. Then it drops down to 4 million cases. It's like, good God, it's a lot of whiskey. Sorry. Four I didn't cases. mean to detract from that i just found that fascinating well maybe we can just sell like i don't know ten thousand cases to to india maybe just 10 we'll start there yeah hell yeah whatever they want yeah (laughs) anyway back to the the wiggle whiskey thing i know yes the wiggle whiskey yes the the only reason i know about wiggle whiskey is because jordan from breaking bourbon he's you know he He's from Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah, Pittsburgh. yeah, exactly. So he sent me some of their whiskey a long time ago, and he was like, you got to try it. It's our local distillery. It's all right, but, you know, you got to try what's local. And it was a regular craft whiskey, but that's what I know about it. But it's cool to see them uh, kind of going under the guise of a Major League Baseball owner as well. I kind of feel it's a it's a Mark yeah, Cuban cool. kind of thing going on here. Yeah. Congratulations, Wiggle. Yeah. Wiggle, wiggle. I know. So that's a I can't get past the name. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 fun. It's fun. It'll get you going on a Friday night. Is it the wobble wobble, shake it, shake it, or not the wiggle wiggle? <laughs> it's not the wiggle wiggle. It's definitely a wobble wobble. Maybe a little bit of shake it, shake it. What God, was that? Uh, was that like big timers or something? Who was that? I don't know. They played on Four <laughs> Street Live sometime. <laughs> when was the last time you've been to Four Street Live? Oh God. <laughs> 
<laughs> 15 years, probably. That's probably the last time they played it then, too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you just throw on, uh, like, sometimes I'll throw on, like, 2000s hip-hop, and, you know, it plays all those, like, Sully's hits. From That's what we need. Nobody knows who Sully's is. It, <laughs> they have no idea. Yeah, just know they sorry. played some Lil I'm, Wayne and some Big Timers and some stuff like that. Exactly. Sorry, I'm all over the place tonight. Well, Keep me focused. You, you want to jump into RTDs? Ooh, now I, that'll get me focused. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about this one only because there was a report that came out by IWSR. Which anyway, if anybody didn't know about IWSR, go check out a previous podcast we did with Brandy from IWSR. She's a wealth of knowledge, and they are the ones that basically just run like drinks and analytics reports across the entire industry. And so they put a lot of great information out there. And this is one again about hard seltzers and RTDs. So let's jump into it. Hard seltzers, they have made an important contribution to the rise of the RTD market and the category in the U.S., which has seen the RTD share of the U.S. total beverage alcohol market expand from just 4% in 2017 to around 11% in 2021. While hard hard seltzers make up over half of the volume of the RTD category, this is still the fastest growing RTD segment is going to be RTD cocktails. So the interest in RTD cocktails has prompted a shift from malt to now spirit-based RTD offerings. And this is because favorable tax rates mean that malt-based products in the category still account for the bulk of the volumes, but their fair share by the end of 2022 is expected to slip below 90%, while spirit-based products will climb from a roughly around 5 to 7%. In a fast-growing market, that represents a notable uplift and in 2021 equated to around 14 million extra 9-liter cases, a figure that is expected to accelerate further by the end of 2022. Vodka overtook tequila as the leading RTD spirit base in 2021, and that's bolstered by the fact around that half of the most popular cocktails in the U.S. are actually vodka-based. In 2019, vodka had a share of just over a fifth of the spirit-based RTD segment, and by 2020, this had surged by more than a third, and this is projected to reach approximately 50% by the end of 2022. At IWSR, they are expecting the erosion of tequila's share of spirit-based RTDs to slow down. The increasing popularity of tequila in general is creating a halo effect for the RTD segment. Volume consumption of tequila grew 17% in the U.S. in 2021, and that's bolstered by increased celebrity investment. And consumers are now increasingly embracing the new tequila-based ranch water, Paloma, and various new canned margarita offerings that are entering the market. Vodka and tequila's dominance within the RTD category also rely on the fact that they are relatively more mixable than other spirit bases, such as whiskey, which makes up just around 5% of the spirit-based RTDs. With use in very specific cocktails, such as old-fashioned Manhattans, whiskey-based RTDs tend to over-index against all other RTD types in terms of pricing. However, consumer demand for more premium offerings will help, and whiskey's share of the RTD spirit-based market is expected to increase. Yeah, I'm... Not surprised by all that. Um, just as a consumer, I mean, I mean, high noons, I love you know, vodka based. <laughs> you you um, love your high noons. I mean, but I'm surprised those are, I guess, because they're vodka based. I am surprised those seltzers are considered RTDs. I thought they would be more like considered beer, you know, if they're malt based. So it like is malt based. White yeah. Claws. And I feel like if you're malt based, you need to be in the beer category. And if you're spirit based, you'd be kind of RTD. But but I don't is, know. But it feels weird. I mean, to sit there and say like, oh, my White Claw compares to a beer. I don't really feel that that compares in an apples to apples comparison when you're looking at the ingredients, when you're looking at uh, the I'm consumer. Looking at AB, but ABV, I feel like it's similar. Like where, where yeah, it's some true. of the. It's like the, five to 5% compared to like 12%. Correct. So like, but then too, you have, I mean, high noons are 5%, canteens which are vodka base or five. I think they're or high noons are four and a half canteens are five, but I've really, I'm not surprised, but they were talking about the Palomas and canned margaritas. I, I mean, I have been a huge fan of these. There's a brand called Mamitas, which are like, they're basically high noons, but made with tequila. And so they have like a Paloma, they have a margarita, they have a pineapple and then Hornitos has ones too that, but cause there's some canned margaritas that are like, more stronger they're like more in the nine to ten percent but these are like kind of like just it like, has carbonation it's like a ranch water you know a, a topo chico tequila lime you know it's more like that and then yeah you have topo chicos now you know making their own i don't know where i was going with this but well, just yeah whiskey, getting into it well 
whiskey RTDs are tough. The only a lot of them are so rich in sugars. They're so sweet. You know, a lot of extra calories and higher alcohol content. It's just hard to get a lot of them. I mean, you know, obviously we do business with Sagamore, but seriously, they're one of the only ones that make a really good whiskey RTD that I can like have multiples of. And even those are like 9%. So you got to tread lightly. Well, tread lightly or maybe just go all, go all in. Depends what <laughs> you want right. to do that day. The, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, they do a great job. Uh, I want to give a shout out also to Jim Beam with their ginger highball. I, I, that was also a good one. Yeah, that's a I good wasn't, one too. I wasn't a fan of the regular highball, which honestly just tasted like bourbon and soda water. Which essentially yeah, that's is a highball, but I tried it and I was like, this is not that good. I'd rather just be mixing Sprite with my bourbon at this point, <laughs> which I mean, that's essentially what Jack Daniels came out with. They're like, hey, let's just go ahead and actually they've been doing it forever because you go to Australia and they've been doing Jack and Coke or Coke or some sort of cola and Jack or whiskey mixture in cans for the longest time. And now they're starting to roll those out across the U.S., not just from Brown Foreman, but I think we're also going to see things from Wild Turkey and a few other people that are going to be entering the space because that is something that they already make as a product. So why not just sell it domestically? Yeah, it's like whiskey or bourbon. It's like, to I feel like to get like scale in that canned beverage, it's I feel like they have to like somehow find it make it lighter, more refreshing, more, cause a lot of them you, you can like just have one or two at the most, you know, whereas high noons, mamitas, all these other ones, I mean, they're like drinking beers, you know, you, you can, yeah, I mean, few I, gosh, I, I hate, we're probably supposed to promote responsibility, but you know, <laughs> it's, you know, but uh, if I'm on the lake all day and playing golf all day, you know, I can't, I sure love so the Sagamore. You don't golf. I love the Sagamore cocktails, but I can't have more than two, or I'll be like, you know, sleeping in the cart. <laughs> well, I'm I'm not hitting the ball straight anyway, so it doesn't really matter if I have two or three. Well, that's why they call it aiming juice. <laughs> <laughs> I I do think it would be a pretty cool, either like a like an experiment or an observation or something like that. If we were to go and just try to talk to Flavor Man or a canning company or something like that and figure out like what does it actually take to to make a whiskey based RTD and how hard is it actually to do that because to be able to create the flavors to create something that is uh consumable doesn't have a ton of sugar in it yeah. and, and all those I think the sugar is probably like where what kills you in a lot of different places so how do you get maybe even natural flavors or natural juices that don't expire in a can like that's there's probably a lot of things that go into RTDs we don't think about of regards to shelf life sure, and everything like right. that. Yeah, there's got to be something where vodka and tequila is simpler to work with than whiskey. I mean, it mixes that, well. That is. Yeah. Just had a little bit of triple sex and sweet and sour and <laughs> you're off to the races. Triple sex? It's not, it's not what you, that's not how you say it? No, not quite. <laughs> triple sec, my friend. Sorry about that. I hear. All right. We spent a lot of time on that one. All right. No more triple sex. On to the Scottish government. So they're going to review whether the angel share from Scotch whiskey, and by the way, we're, we're switching a little bit to Scotch only because it, it kind of really, doesn't really relate to bourbon, but it kind of has a, a very close connotation. So the Scottish government, they will review whether the angel share from Scotch whiskey maturation has health and environmental impacts. As a part of the government's commitment to improving air quality, it will commission a review into the impacts of non-methane volatile organic compound emissions. This will include an assessment into the emissions that come from malt whiskey maturation. So every year, approximately 2% of whiskey evaporates from cast during maturation. This is known as the angel share. Of course, we know in bourbon, that's usually a little bit higher than that. It's usually around like, what is it, like 10 or 15, 10, 12% the first year, and every after that is like 5%. Anyway, the Scottish government spokesperson said that improving air quality and the health of our people and the planet is an urgent priority for this government, and we're taking action across the board to deliver this. Last year, we published an, our updated air quality strategy, setting out how Scotland can achieve the best air quality in Europe. 
And to support that, we are commissioning a review of the available evidence of health and environmental impacts against the non-methane volatile organic compound emissions, including an assessment of emissions from malt whiskey maturation. So Scotland's whiskey industry is extremely valuable to the economy, and they recognize the sector's commitment to the good environmental practices. And according to the Scotch Whiskey Association trade body, there's around 22 million casks that are maturing in warehouses in Scotland, and there are currently 138 operating Scotch whiskey distilleries across the country. Bedonia. Hmm. So what, they worry about the fungus? I mean, I guess. Like the... Dude, that's the whole thing right now, why... I, I think we talked about it a few weeks ago, why there is like Buffalo Trace is trying to move into a new county to build a bunch of warehouses and the city is, or the county is fighting hard. Like they're fighting yeah. hard against Buffalo Trace because they do not want the fungus and the bedonia to start growing on the sides of their warehouses. And so I, don't hold me to it, but I've read some things that Buffalo Trace is trying to do some, mm, we'll sell not so kosher things of like trying to like rezone areas to basically get around some of the the issues that they're having um so so i'm trying to so the do they know there's an impact on the air quality from this that fungus or that's what this is going to be a assessment to go and check it out and see if there actually is an impact on it gotcha so we have gone this far my friend we are now in 2022 I don't know how many years we've had scotch whiskey. It's been a long time. We've had a long time since we've had bourbon. But now they're like, listen, we've got to figure out if this shit's killing our lungs or not. It's just like this cow thing. Everybody's like, oh, cows and their farts and belches are, <laughs> you know, ruining the planet. And we got to get rid of all of them and make impossible meat from Bill Gates, you know, to, in a lab. And I'm like, if you're that worried about air quality and quit. Just put nuclear plants everywhere to produce energy. Like, let's be real. I don't know. This is, I don't know. It's a waste of tax dollars, I think, but whatever. You we'll really went to the left field there, didn't you, my friend? <laughs> I didn't go left field. It's you're all like, this. You're like, all right, fine. Let's go eat impossible meat and start building nuclear power plants. You Well, I don't know. I guess you're not in the environmental talks of like air quality and this and that. And they're like... They, I they know you're involved cows. with it because of your profession, because you have to have chemicals that essentially create right. hazardous. So you, yeah, you're, you're aware of all this sort of stuff. I know everybody, everybody thinks like mother nature is trying to take us down at all times. So we, we have to do whatever we can to combat it. And it's not the perfect system, but if, all right, regardless, scotch whiskey is not killing our ozone layer. So it's a waste of tax dollars. Do something better and put build some nuclear plants in Scotland. <laughs> All right, and there you heard you it. You heard it first from the people's champ from his mouth. Everybody's everybody's gonna I'm gonna get email hate emails from everyone. <laughs> Tell me how dumb I am. So. That's all right. right. Just make sure you send it to Ryan at bourbonpursuit.com, not to me. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this, this is what goes to Ryan. <laughs> Turn on my spam filter. Heavy. Yeah. All right. So let's let's get into our last news story here, and that's that the Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame, they will induct six new individuals into its elite ranks next month. So if you didn't know, the Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame recognizes individuals and organizations that have made a significant and transformational impact on the bourbon stature, growth, and awareness. It is the highest honor given by the signature industry. And here are this year's inductees. First is retiring representative Chad McCoy from Bardstown. He's the majority whip, Kentucky House representatives, and the two-time recipient of the KDA's 100 Proof Award for public service and champion of several landmark pieces of legislation. There's also the late Stephen Francis Thompson. He was the founder and president at Kentucky Artisan Distillery, and he will also be receiving the Parker Beam Lifetime Achievement Award. He was also the former president of Brown Foreman Distilleries and a pioneering resource for craft distilleries across the country. He died unexpectedly in 2021 after an accident. He was 79 years old. Julian Van Winkle III, president of Old Rip Van Winkle Distillery and heralded grandson of bourbon legend Julian Pappy Van Winkle, the creator of the ultra-aged premium Pappy Van Winkle brand and the very first James Beard Award winner from Kentucky, as well as numerous other accolades. Andrea Marie Wilson, Distinguished Industry Veteran, Executive Vice President, General Manager, and Master of Maturation at Michter's Distillery, and in 2009, the first woman to chair the KDA Board of Directors. She's also been on the podcast quite a few times, so go and check that out. 
retiring U.S. Representative John Yarmuth, Democrat from Louisville, and co-founder of the Congressional Bourbon Caucus and chair of the House Budget Committee, who helped lead a permanent reduction on the federal excise tax on distillers among key measures. And lastly, Kaveh Zemanian, who you've heard on the podcast a few times already. He was just on a few weeks ago. He's the founder, whiskey maker, and CEO of Rabbit Hole Distillery. He left Iran back in 1979 during the revolution and founded Rabbit Hole in 2012. He blends the immigrant whiskey maker tradition with time-honored methods, diverse perspective, and modernist aesthetics. So this invitation-only ceremony will be held on September 13th at Mild Kentucky Home State Park in Bardstown, Kentucky, which is one of the state's most revered historic sites, or revered historic sites. Sorry about that. It is held annually in conjunction with the Kentucky Bourbon Festival, which now will be running on September 16th through the 18th in Bardstown, where you can actually go and check out. Ryan and I will be there at a booth, and you can come get pours from us. The selection committee included all living recipients of the Parker Beam Lifetime Achievement Award, which is Jimmy Russell, Master Distiller of Wild Turkey, Bill Samuels Jr., who from Maker's Mark, Max Shapiro of Heaven Hill, and Evan Colesveen from Willett Distillery. Also serving were Kevin Smith, he's the chairman of the KDA Board of Directors and Vice President of the Kentucky Bourbon Affairs for being some Tory, was Chris Morris, who's the governor of the Order of the Writ, Spirit of Kentucky, there's too many people. Um, lastly, was <laughs> Dixie Hibbs. So there we go, who was also appointed the by the Mayor KDA. of Barzon. There we go. So there's a lot of people used to be there. the mayor. I mean, there's a lot of people in there, and I was like, okay, you you heard the the top six names, which were important of of people that are going to the Hall of Fame. So congratulations to all of them. Yeah, all were the candidates. Um, I was, I mean, not that he doesn't deserve it. Cave definitely does. I, it is, he's got to be one of the younger. I mean, not younger because Chad's pretty young, but I guess newer to the bourbon game to be you know, not that many years in the industry to be in, inducted. So that's that's an awesome award for for Cave and all those, you know, that are getting inducted. Ten years. Ten years getting into the, the industry. Well, actually, nah, he was probably doing it before. He just founded Rabbit Hole in 2012. He was probably doing a lot of other sourcing. And Gosh, I guess then. that's, I guess it has been ten years. Maybe, a, yeah, that's crazy. Ten years. You, you just got to think that when we started, we were talking to him five years ago, and we don't even think that felt like five years ago. I know. All right, never mind. Everybody's no. It's good. It's a good uh, <laughs> inductee list for real. Yeah. Well, I think we should probably also put it out there that that Ryan will also be. I will be there. there. Yes. He will be there. He actually will be accepting an award at at, well. the, at the Hall of Fame dinner. <laughs> I will be. I think Chad will not be there, so he's asked a group of us to accept it in his honor, and I, I will be there. It's going to be exciting. I've never been to one of these. I know you have before. Yeah, it was a few years ago. Fred and I actually went there, and we actually did. We just streamed it live, and we had a microphone, and it was kind of like a red carpet ceremony. And he, and actually, just say we interviewed people as they were kind of coming in, you know, holding the camera and saying like, oh, here we go. And here's Freddie Johnson coming in. Whoa, Freddie. <laughs> you know, Fred would say something stupid like, you know, what are you wearing? <laughs> like my polo that I just came from the distillery with. Uh, but, you know, it's just, it's just, it was something fun that we did a few years are ago. Are you wearing Gucci, Armani, <laughs> Chanel? <laughs> no, it's... Uh, uh, it's club room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was say jerseys, something like yeah. that. Azad. <laughs> Yeah, we can't even get Lacoste around here, man. We're <laughs> we're peasants. <laughs> yep. All right, but congratulations to all them that are going to be entering to the Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame. But let's go ahead. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with some bourbon release news. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase. And go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. Hey everybody, bourbon release news. We've got a few ones, but we got some heavy, heavy hitters when it does come to these. And we'll, we'll, we'll spoil it for you a little bit because Ryan and I, we got to... We got to taste one of these already, and it was, it was pretty damn good. So let's kind of let's kind of get into it. So talked about it at the top of the show, but King of Kentucky, you know it. It's the super premium straight bourbon, and it's returning this year in its fifth edition, and it's hitting shelves in August. But this time, it's going to have two limited edition expressions that will be available to mark the fifth anniversary. So the first expression is a 15-year-old Kentucky straight bourbon, and approximately 3,500 bottles will be produced with a suggested retail price around $250. While a majority of this year's volume will remain in Kentucky, the expression will also be available in limited quantities in Illinois and Ohio. The second expression is a very limited, ultra-rare, super-super limited, I'll just go ahead and say that because we got a chance to try it, is the 18-year-old Kentucky straight bourbon, and only... 250 bottles of this will be produced that has a suggested retail price of $350, and this will only be exclusive to the Kentucky market. A little bit of background, King of Kentucky was established in 1881 as a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, and Brown Foreman acquired the brand in 1936 from selected Kentucky distillers, and by 1940, converted it to a blended whiskey until it was discontinued in 1968. In 2018, they revived the label by paying homage to the brand's past, and due to the rarity of these barrels, there is no defined annual volume. Just like the extra time it takes for the liquid to mature, King of Kentucky's package shows a personal craftsmanship. Every bottle comes enclosed in a decorative tin canister and tells the story of the origin through the details on the front and the back of its package. All are filled, bottled, wax-dipped, and numbered by hand with details including proof, age, warehouse location, lot number, seal number, and barrel number, and they were all selected by master distiller Chris Morris. Yeah, this was uh, a was special... A it was... I mean, the nose on this 18-year... I mean, good God. I mean, it was... Everything about this pour was special. Um, most people won't get to try it with that, you know, that few of bottles. Um, I it is a fascinating story. Only, I remember we were there, Chris Morris was saying that you have to understand that they, they heat cycle all their warehouses. So he likes to go ahead and kind of put like, it's their, their kind of like hyper aging process. So it's kind of equivalent, he said, to an extra year and a half, or sorry, a half year that you get through there. So he said it's about a 27 year is what it would be compared to. And when they went to go dump these barrels, there is usually, I think, what do you say? Less than six cases. Like 10% yield on each yeah, barrel. <laughs> something like that. Ridiculously low. Yeah. And I think I found it fascinating too. It, it was, um, the, the mash bill on that was like not the typical old Forester Woodford. It was it's early, early times. times of the, yeah, it's yeah. early times, which I, I love early times. It was, I, I still miss it. And well, it's, I guess this hasn't gone anywhere, but uh, <laughs> I miss it when it was a Brown Foreman brand. But uh, anyways, this is a absolutely stellar whiskey. One of the better ones we've had in quite some time. And if you have a chance to buy it, if you can get it for less than, I don't know. I know this is hard to say, but a thousand bucks, it's probably, Might be it's, worth it. it's worth it. <laughs> I don't usually call in a lot of favors. This one, I might <laughs> yeah. call in a favor for. But there is a, we actually haven't a chance to review the 15 year yet. And from what we've heard from other whiskey reviewers that got it, they said that that was probably one of the best King of Kentuckys that they've tried oh, as really? well. But here's the thing is that it doesn't matter which one you get because they're all single barrel releases. They don't blend them and dump them or they don't, should I say, dump and blend them together. They're all single barrels. So you might get barrel 32. Somebody else get barrel 64. Somebody else gets barrel 9. So that's the the unfortunate thing with it. But either way, I have never had a bad King of Kentucky ever from any release. No. So Same here. Just go ahead and pony up. So we couldn't go another week without talking about Ross and Squibb. It just wouldn't be right. Oh, boy. <laughs> so they have announced their Remus Repeal Reserve Series 6 straight bourbon whiskey that will be launching this September. So this limited edition bourbon is the sixth annual offering from the distillery's award-winning Remus Repeal Reserve Bourbon Collection. 
It's created by master distiller Ian Sturzman and his team of master distillers and master blenders. So Series 6 comprises of five bourbons aged between 8 to 14 years from its 175-year-old Lawrenceburg, Indiana distillery. I wonder where that's from. So it's made in a signature high-rise style, and the medley changes each year, allowing Sturzman and his team to experiment with various mash bills and aged reserves. So Remus Repeal Reserve Series 6 is comprised of the following. So hold with me here. 2% of 2008 bourbon, which is a 21% rye. 17% of a 2012 bourbon, 36% rye, 27% another 2012, the 21%, 29% from 2014 of the 21%, 25% from 2014 of the 36%. And this is bottled 100 proof and will have a suggested retail price of $100. Is that mad that up to 100? I don't know. Did, There's a lot of percentage. <laughs> too, many, too many 20s, 1s, 36s, 17s, 29s. I just, I just read it from the press release. Don't hold me to it. It's probably a tote. Like one of their clients rejected. They're like, oh, we'll take <laughs> I it. doubt it. <laughs> no, I doubt it. I'm kidding. This has always been a, a fascinating release that I've, I've had from them because they oh they're so good they're so good and they list all the percentages on it which is great even though we just came out with an episode this past week on behind the pursuit saying ah it doesn't matter the general public doesn't care but us whiskey geeks we we care yeah which this is probably definitely a whiskey geek you know brand or offering i guess and it's always fantastic i mean it's that that mgp juice when it hits double digits it's magical i mean it's really good um Five to seven years, it's pretty good too. But when it gets double digits, it's it's fantastic. For sure. Totally, totally. totally. That I should say squib juice. Sorry. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I wonder if that's gonna stick. I mean frost and squib, but squib juice. <laughs> I know. And and I want it to stick and I consciously try to say squib, but it, I subconsciously go say an MGP. So I I gotta keep doing the squib juice all right it's repetition we'll get there yeah they need a t-shirt squibjuice.com <laughs> oh god <laughs> i wonder if somebody's gonna buy that domain now all right let's go ahead let's hit our final news article of the week and this is talking about probably one of the most highly anticipated releases every single year because it comes in that crazy little squat bottle that just never seems to fit well on the shelf and this is, going, of course, going to be from Old Forester, and this is going to be celebrating George Garvin Brown as he was his first to seal his whiskey in a glass bottle back in 1870. And to commemorate his birthday, the first bottled bourbon was annually released, or sorry, will be annually released in a limited edition, vintage-dated expression, which is always called the birthday bourbon. So it's hand-selected by master distiller Chris Morris. Oh, Chris is in the news twice this week. So this small batch bourbon offers a unique character of flavor profile that will never be replicated, is what they say. The September 2nd release marks the 22nd limited edition expression, but this year's celebration will look different than years past. So for the first time ever, Old Forester Birthday Bourbon will be available through purchase through a sweepstakes running through August 24th through August 31st. And this gives people nationwide the opportunity to win the right to purchase the most coveted expression of Old Forester. Because of the new policy, no birthday bourbon bottles will be sold at the distillery on September 2nd. Prize winners will be notified via email on September 2nd and has a suggested retail price of $150. So wait, all the bottles will go through the sweepstakes? Or is Uh, that just what Old Forester has allocated for them? I doubt they said, let's go ahead and hold back everything and screw all of our retailers that sell right. all Old Forester products across the country. They're probably not doing that. It's probably what they hold back for Old Forester. And gotcha. if, I mean, I'm not going to say I called it, but I called it. So I would say probably, God, it had been a year plus two ago on a round table, we started talking about the laws and it changing and directed consumer shipping. And I said, why would a distillery ever sit there and try and deal with people camping out in lines and flippers and all this sort of stuff and and the all the shit that goes behind the closed doors at distributors and retailers and all that shady stuff when they can just own the product and sell it themselves and here we yeah. go now i will say I, i'm a little butthurt and i'm <laughs> sure everybody in kentucky is going to be a little bit butthurt because your odds of getting a bottle from Old Forester went from not so good to non-existent 
So, I mean, for you to be able to get one at the distillery, you had a chance, but now going to a national lottery, national lottery, it's toast. Yeah, but I I feel like they don't release it all and they kind of like sprinkle them out throughout the year too. Because I've heard of people just like showing up to the old Forrester gift shop and they're like, oh, birthday bourbon, we put it out, you know, like, like several cases maybe I'm mistaken, but, and maybe they won't do it this time, but I, I feel like they've done that sprinkled stuff throughout the year as well. I mean, why not? It's, it's their product. It's what they can do with it. I think that's probably well worth rewarding people that are traveling in and, and doing stuff like that. I think it's, that's okay to do. So wait a minute. What if you're in a no ship state? Do you just have to, you have to come in person? Oh, I'm or? sure all this, this, this is I doubt, or do you have to pick it up at the distillery? Exactly. I doubt gotcha. they're going to sit there and start. I mean, have you have you held a bottle of birthday bourbon in your hands? You know how hard that is to pack and ship one of those damn things. That's that's not an easy task to do. I've so, never owned one. Actually, no. I did own one, and I auctioned it off in one of our charities. See, well, and and I was probably somebody that had to pack it up and ship it out. And that is actually somebody locally won it. I remember I had to deliver it now. So it's all coming back to me. You, you, Bo's a pain in the ass taking it in my truck. There you go. Just holding it. It's just awkward. No, it's, it's one of those things that I couldn't imagine that they would sit there and say, oh yeah, let's go ahead and ship out a thousand bottles. No, if, if you win, they will probably give you some sort of, and actually this is probably what's going to happen. They'll probably time bomb it. And if you win, you have what? Three months. To get to Old yeah, Forester to come and right. pick it up. And if you don't, then what? Well, now they're probably going to start sprinkling out and just putting it out there on the shelves randomly. So, hey, maybe maybe it will work out for us locals and we'll just happen to be there one day. So they didn't say like the year or anything? You this. know, as soon as you... Because usually they do that. Exactly. So I, re- I responded back to the person who sent the press release and I said, are there any other details you can share about this? I was like, we're going to record tonight and it's going to be out Friday. And usually you tell us how many barrels it was, where in the rick house. Well, we had six that came up completely empty, you know, like whatever story that they, they have along with it. But no, there was, there was nothing about it. I think the, the news this year is that uh, whether you're in Spokane, Kansas, or whether you're in Tallahassee, Florida, or maybe you're in Germany, you have a chance to be able to, get a bottle huh. well all right the the nas old foe birthday bourbon year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well they did they did send some pictures and and now that i'm thinking about it i only looked at the video which was of course a birthday bourbon bottle falling on top of a cake and it had a 10 on it so it might only be a 10 year old which huh. is still well, that's pretty good yeah i was like nothing to shy away from nope I mean, as long as it tastes good, I don't care how old it is. Oh, I remember when this used to be $70, my first birthday bourbons I was picking up. So now we're uh, a little bit more than double that. How about it? Yeah. 150 is still not bad. I mean, I guess. It's I don't a, know. It's a limited edition offering in a funky bottle coming from a big name distillery at 10 years old. Yeah, that's not bad. It's it's that is the market, and I'm sure it's people will pay for it all day, and it'll be six hundred dollars in the secondary market the next day. So, yep, that's how it is. But that'll do it for this week in bourbon. We had a lot of good topics tonight, and like I said, just a little bit of squib talk, but that's okay. Squibjuice.com. But maybe more we'll squib. be able to have some more next more, time. More squib juice next week. <laughs> yeah, tune in. But with that, cheers, everybody. We'll see you next week. Toodles. Toodles.